As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's the Totally Football Show, European edition. Champions and Europa Leagues are about to get underway. Barcelona are facing Bayern again. 8-2 remind you what happened last time they met, when actually it was 8-2, come to think of it. Liverpool-Milan, a bit of ancient history there too, much of it playing up front for Milan. With Inter against Real Madrid, Leicester, Napoli, Rangers, Leon and much, much more, it's a particularly packed edition of the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Tuesday the 14th of September. Hello, listener. We're about to go on a wild journey through European football and out the other end. Uh, James Horncastle's on board. Hello, James. Hello, guys. Woo-woo. That's Alvaro Romeo. Hola, guys. Hola. And bonjour, Julian Laurence. Bonjour, everyone. All righty. Hey, we've got lots of... What's that? Where's Raphael Honigstein? I'm not, yeah, I've not got my flight it? tracker on. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, he'll be he's he's flying back to get on the goals show Tuesday night, and yeah. Anyway, doesn't matter. Not much happened in the Bundesliga this weekend, uh, but lots is going to happen in. Okay, lots of things happen, but you know we all. Anyway, uh, there's Deep also lots games. of things. Ha- <laughs> lots of things happen. Lots of things going to happen in the Champions League, and they don't involve big clubs from Germany, do they? Oh yeah, Barcelona, Bayern, crikey! All right, well anyway, but uh, what I'm trying to say here, listener, and I'm sure you're with me on this, is that there are big things happening, and we've got big people here to talk about them. Uh, not just Barcelona, Bayern, but also Inter against Real Madrid, and of course Liverpool, Milan, and all sorts of other matches coming up midweek. What are you most looking forward to seeing, Alvaro? I think Barcelona-Bayern, because I really think that Bayern can humble Barcelona. But at the same time, Mm. you know, Barcelona know their reality and now they are definitely the underdogs for this game. So I want to see how they perform under that new role that life has given them. Right. We'll ask Rafa in a little bit when he pitches up if Bayern can do a Leicester-Southampton on the Catalans' asses. We shall see. Anyway, uh, Jules, what stands out for you? So the other day we were asked the same question with James and I picked Inter Real Madrid, but that was before yeah. the weekend because mm. 
I've, my mind has slightly changed after the weekend. I was really disappointed by Inter's performance at the weekend, especially in the second half against Sampdoria. And on the other hand, I thought it was really fun to watch Real Madrid. And yet, they will concede goals, and I think they will concede goals all season. But going right. forward, Vinicius and, and Benzema, Hazard in a more central role, Kamavinga on his debut. Uh, right. I thought we were really good and you know, really worth the watch. So I think that Inter-Real Madrid has everything to be quite an interesting game. Oh, I see. I thought you were going to change your mind about that. I was going to question that because that Inter-Sampdoria game, Sampdoria-Inter, although they dropped points, you'd struggle to find a match this weekend with better goals in it than that one. Absolutely extraordinary. That Martinez mm. volley, wow. Anyway, yeah. all right, James, which, which game for you? Well, because our beloved friend Raphael Honigstein is, is in the air at the moment on a Lufthansa flight, um, I must say I am kind of just want to watch Haaland. Because what does he do in group stages? He just scores, what, three goals a game? And even if it is Besiktas, I mean, I'm actually excited that it is Besiktas because maybe he will just go absolutely crazy and score like five goals or something. Right. Well, you know what? Besiktas yet to concede a goal. Yet to concede a goal this Uh season. So That's true. Okay. But they haven't played against Haaland yet. Yeah. Haaland has scored 45 goals in 47 Bundesliga appearances. I mean, this is... Not logical. It defies any logic. I mean, he's not even 23 years old. All right. Well, huge games on the way midweek. But of course, there were some massive matches over the weekend as well. So let's, before we get into the Champions League action, let's get some moments of the weekend with Paddy Power. Jules Ligueur. Yeah, we start with Monaco Marseille, which is my moment of the of the weekend because because Marseille won to start within Monaco, although there was 80% of Marseille fans that you would imagine in the stadium. But because it came from an unlikely source in in uh, in Bamba Diang, who is their young striker from Senegal, who we saw a little bit last season. He scored in the French Cup last year against Auxerre and was always promising. But they tried to sell him in the summer. They ended up keeping him. He only played because Milik is still injured, because Payet got injured too, and played on the left-hand side. And he was just amazing. He was absolutely fantastic. And Monaco was struggling uh, almost like a year ago. And Monaco and Marseille are flying under San Paoli and they're playing some really good football. The new signings have gelled well and, and it's, it's kind of working for them now. So that was a really, really good game at the weekend in Liga. Could be a quest for second place, excitingly enough, there for, for Marseille this year. We'll hear much more about Ligue 1. Uh, Alvaro, what was your moment of the weekend? Was it Athletic going top of the table? Well, they went on Saturday. They went on Saturday. And uh, it's very good to see Athletic Club Bilbao doing very well at the beginning of the season with a, a generational um, transformation because many youngsters are, you know, knocking down the door and they are showing that they've got a lot of quality. One of them being the brother of Iñaki Williams, Nico Williams. It could be as well Atletico winning in the 99th minute of the game against mm. Espanol. But I'm going to stay with Real Madrid because the new Santiago Bernabeu was unveiled. And over there, there was a star shining over everyone else. It was Karim Benzema Mbappe. scoring a hat-trick. Oh. Uh, Mbappe was Holland. supposed to be the, the guest, but he, unfortunately he didn't appear there. Uh, maybe next right. week, who knows. And Camavinga, uh, he scored the goal as well, uh, the new signing. So yeah. it was a good night for Benzema. Three goals for Vinicius, scoring a beautiful goal as well. He has scored four in this league already. And Camavinga, of course. Okay. Uh, James, we're coming to you for your uh, moment of the week. I'm going to say my moment of the week is I've just realised Alvaro, he's just emerged from behind his large microphone. He's got a fantastic new moustache. Well done for the tash, Alvaro. Anyway, James. (laughs) It's like a Velcro. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, where did I leave you before the international break? 
it was with Jose Mourinho. And I'm back. It's the special run. The special run he made after that incredible goal that we saw that settled um, a crazy game uh, between Roma and Sassuolo on, on Sunday night. Roma won 2-1. How? We don't know why, because Sassuolo had so many chances. But to see Mourinho in his 1,000th game uh, go running down the sideline, as he did when he was, what, a young Porto manager at Old Trafford. Um, or, if you're of an Italian football persuasion, reminiscent of a famous Roman like Carlo Mazzone uh, running mm. under the Cordoba. It was quite sensational. Um, so, yeah, that's that's got to be my moment of the weekend, James. I felt 14, said Jose afterwards. I felt the kind of age you are when you're a boy and you dream of becoming a football manager. You probably all did. Uh, anyway, yeah, it was an emotional night and uh, they're loving him. They're lapping him up down in Rome. All right, excellent. Let's get going then. We're going to touch on what happened at the weekend throughout the leagues, but we're also going to go big on the Champions League clashes and they don't come bigger than Barcelona Bayern. And that's next. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your four plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum on 25 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. It's impossible to become aware. Gol Coutinho, gol de Coutinho, 2-8, minuto 88, marca Coutinho, señores, tomen nota del Waterloo Azulgrana, Bayern de Múnich, 8, Barcelona, o lo que sea, 2. Oof, some memories there, eh? Painful ones, which, who knows, could be getting evoked once more at this Tuesday when Barcelona faced Bayern for the first time since... Summer, well, August 2020, when they got done 8-2 by Hansi Flick's Bayern. Now, how are Barca right now, Alvaro? They didn't have a game this weekend. What, what, what do you think of their prospects of holding out a bit better this time? You know, be, before anything, James, when you were talking about <laughs> Barcelona-Bayern and the 8-2, uh, it happened not long ago, but so many things have happened in between or after that, and so many bad things for Barcelona uh, that... I would say that there are no plasters left anymore just to cover the wounds. I mean, Barcelona is in real problem. This summer, as you well know, they have lost Antoine Griezmann. They have lost Lionel Messi. Right now for this game, they've got uh, Ansu Fati out, Dembélé out, Braithwaite out, Kun Agüero out. And they will have to play with two strikers like Memphis and Luke de Jong. That would have been unthinkable four or five years ago when they had the, probably the best three strikers in the world together. Um, the situation is bad for them and uh, this game is very inconvenient. But at the same time, as I said at the beginning of the show, look, uh, the summer transfer is over. Mm, Joan Laporta cannot uh, anymore uh, sell any sort of enthusiasm about who I'm going to sign, uh, Messi is going to stay, this is over. Mm, the reality is this one, and Barcelona has to operate under these circumstances. Uh, this summer they operated like a company, not like a football club, in the sense that they were almost in liquidation. If they were a company, they would have been in liquidation. They couldn't have a football transfer policy this summer, they had to offload a lot of players, and this game comes uh, for Barcelona... In a, in a moment in which it, you can actually not uh, think that Barcelona is going to win this game. Bayern is better than Barcelona. They have strengthened themselves a little bit with the likes of Marcel Savitzer uh, at the end of the transfer window. Uh, Barcelona lost Antoine Griezmann the last day, the deadline day of the transfer window. So it's difficult to trust Barcelona, but at the same time, this is a new reality. Barcelona knows that they've got still good players, that they can put 
Bayern in some trouble, especially the likes of Pedri, De Jong, uh, who are quite promising. I think that Gerard Piquet in defense is going to be okay. But generally speaking, Bayern has more um, strength, more belief on what they do. They are uh, less prone to mistakes. I think that the, the way they play makes them also more dangerous. So, of course, they are favorite for this game. And uh, I'm not expecting anything but uh, Bayern um, bullying Barcelona from the very beginning of the game, really. Barcelona used to have such an amazing record at home in the Champions League, but they've actually lost their last two fixtures there to Juventus and Paris Saint-Germain. Bayern, in terrific form, in their last three matches, one of them admittedly against lower league opposition in the Pokal, but in their last three matches, they've conceded just one goal and scored 21 Absolutely phenomenal. Four of those goals came at the weekend against RB Leipzig, supposedly one of their title rivals. Massive win for the new Bayern manager, Julian Nagelsmann, against his former side. Of course, Robert Lewandowski scored. Leroy Sané also continued his kind of re-emergence. But uh, Jamal Muziala was uh, the star, I think, for most observers with a, a goal and an assist. He was, and when you think that he only came on when he did just before the break because Serge Nabri got injured, you wondered if Nabri hadn't got injured, when Musiala would have gone in and maybe that could have had a, an impact on the game because he made such a big difference after coming on. And you forget he's, he's only 18 years old. And I think we just need to remind everyone this incredible, well, certainly that age group, because if you look at someone like Florian Wirtz, who did so well with Bayer Leverkusen against Dortmund on Saturday, Musiala, Kamavinga, Arvi Heliot, who unfortunately got injured um, you know, in the game against, with Liverpool against, against Leeds, uh, Jude Bellingham as well, and there's a few others. Those 18-year-olds are something very, very special, and I think Musiala showed that against, uh, against Leipzig on Saturday. I think that uh, Bayern mm, hasn't had any hype this summer because uh, they haven't been signing big players until the last minute when they got Marcel Savitzer. And at the end of the transfer window, uh, we tend to have the impression or the perception that the team that has signed more uh, or better is the favorite to win things. But I think that still Bayern, they know what they are doing and they are very strong. And last season, one of the reasons why they didn't make it to the Champions League semifinals is because Robert Lewandowski was out uh, for the key clash against PSG and I, because he picked an injury with the Polish national team. And I think that that tire would have been definitely tougher for PSG had Robert Lewandowski been there. And yet, they, they gave Keylor Navas a hell of a night. He did a lot of stops, the goalkeeper of PSG. And I think that we forget that Bayern, six, seven months ago, they both have been favourites uh, to win everything. And now they've got a new manager, Julian Lagensmann. And if you check the Bundesliga stats, they are the basically topping all the records over there in the Bundesliga. They are the team that has scored more goals altogether with Borussia Dortmund. The team that has covered more distance, which is very important in my opinion, because Barcelona suffers against teams like this. The team that has done more sprints and the team that has done more intensive runs. This is Bayern. Basically, Julian Nagelsmann is giving an extra electricity to this team and it was good enough in March. Amazing. Well, let's hear what, what Rafa thinks uh, Julian Nagelsmann's Bayern side can do to Barca this Tuesday. Well, James, I don't think it will be an A2 this time, uh, owing as much to the fact that this would be a full stadium and not the weird environs of an empty ground in Lisbon, which I think was part of the reason why Barcelona collapsed in August 2020. But you do sense that Bayern go there without any sense of trepidation or fear. Uh, they are, I think, seen as favourites in the German press. They can play their best 11. 
there were one or two doubts about Serge Gnabry and Robert Lewandowski, but they certainly made the trip and there's a good chance that they will start. And you could see how good Bayern were uh, when they beat Leipzig 4-1. It was a slightly uneven performance in terms of their defensive solidity. Leipzig had quite a few chances. It could have been a little bit closer, but they broke so well and they played so well going forward that they could have had a lot more goals and this could have been as bad as the 6-2 win that Bayern had against Jesse Marsh's Salzburg in the Champions League last season if perhaps not the A2 so plenty of confidence of Bayern going to Barcelona Raphael Honig's time. Uh, Leipzig, by the way, were on the wrong end of that 4-1 scoreline, have now lost three of their opening four matches under their new uh, coach, Jesse Marsh, a.k.a. Ted Lasso. <laughs> Ted Lasso, of course. Thank you very much. Which is a, a kind of worrying run of form, given that they're facing Manchester City next. That's uh, Leipzig's opponents. And uh, is that is that quite a cut-and-dried match to, to kind of predict... The outcome of no, no, no. no. I, I mean, I no. was disappointed on Saturday. I have to say, mm. I thought they would give Bayern more, more of a run. I thought they were too easily exposed defensively, uh, especially in the second half. And Bayern could easily have scored two or three more, to be honest. And I guess Leipzig could have scored maybe one more, but it was yeah. I, I, I expected more from them. And look, it's not easy when you lose your manager and then your your centre-back and your captain and best midfielder in Sabitza and Upamecano but I still expect it to be more I think he, he will come I think Jesse Marsh is a, good, is a very good manager but right now it's a, it's a tough it's a tough run and, and I think City are going to pile more misery on them because they will be like Bayern they will do the same as Bayern did unless they change something and, and go a bit more cautiously in the way they approach the game which I don't think they will I, I think you can expect a tough night for them mm. Certainly sounds like it, doesn't it? The other big uh, Bundesliga blockbuster over the weekend, meantime, was Dortmund away at Leverkusen. Three times by Leverkusen took the lead in this game and three times Dortmund came from behind. And then at the death, Erling Haaland with the penalty. Let's have a listen. Erling Haaland steht jetzt mit der linken Hacke auf der weißen Strafraumlinie. Der Ball ist frei. Haaland trifft Erling Haaland. Crikey, that made it 4-3 the first time that Borussia Dortmund had led in the match. The celebrations were pretty wild as well. Haaland leads his teammates over to the, the corner where the uh, where the Leverkusen fans just start pelting them, raining down these objects and cups of beer and, and extraordinary reflexes. Did you see from Jude Bellingham, who actually catches one yeah, mid-flight? Yeah, and perhaps less sensibly takes a swig from it. I says bitter, I suppose. Uh, but any, anyway, look out for that. Extraordinary stuff. I mean, Erling Haaland, you were talking about his record. It's 13 goals in nine matches this season for club and country. And uh, and yes, so that's a bit of a concern for Besiktas uh, as they prepare to host uh, the side from the Ruhr on Wednesday. Besiktas, who of course have got uh, Miralem Pjanic and uh, former Dortmund Superhero Batman himself, Michi Batshuayi. Yeah. So, I think I think Batshuayi will be going Beware. into that game saying, "Dortmund, you know what? You should have signed me. This Haaland guy, pff, whatever." Yeah. 
What do, what do you make of Dortmund's chances in the in the Champions League without actually having seen them in the competition yet? Do they strike you with Marco Rosa, who was did well with Mönchengladbach last season? Do they strike you as a team that could go deep? After the game against Leverkusen, Marco Royce said something like, they cannot go on like this. So that tells you a little bit that even if they won, they were disappointed. Or in the Dortmund camp, there was this feeling that they cannot allow so many chances. And in fact, two of the goals of Leverkusen come from basically one of the attackers just running in the center without any opposition from the center half, uh, which tells you that uh, there is a lack of decision there. Uh, maybe the center backs, uh, they thought that they should have had more uh, help from the holding midfielders too. But there was always a channel, a corridor towards the center halves of the Borussia, of Borussia Dortmund. And I think that that is, that is pretty concerning. Which is kind of an ongoing problem at, at Dortmund, no? For all their excitements going forward actually keeping it steady at the back. They are currently third in the Bundesliga, a point behind Bayern, who themselves are two points behind the somewhat surprising leaders, Wolfsburg, managed, of course, by uh, Mark van Bommel. Mark van Bommel's Wolfsburg will be taking on Lille. Jules, just round off this part. Mm. Yeah, struggling. They lost at the weekend against Lorient in a game that they didn't deserve anything from because despite they came back to 1-1 at some point, they were just second best the whole the whole night. And it's a bit worrying. They changed managers, of course, and that's something we've said a lot. But I think what made them so good last year, uh, apart from Mark Mignon, who left and went to AC Milan, and who really was such a big part in them winning the league, was, was Christophe Galtier, the manager. And I think you take him out of the equation and keep the same players 10 out of 11, uh, to, to, to sum it up easily, it's still not the same thing. I think Gourvenek is a different manager and certainly not as good as Galtier. So I hope that with the fans and this, this one being the opening of the, the Champions League campaign, they're going to go for it and show a bit more of the lead from last season because the one from this season doesn't stand much chance against this Wolfsburg team full of confidence who are not playing great football but who are very solid, uh, very efficient in the way they play. And and I think Lille will really have to be on their at their best to try to get something. But it's it's slightly worrying that they've they've been so average so far this season. Okay. Well, next up, let's crack on uh, with the Wednesday fixtures. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Wednesday brings us that Besiktas Dortmund clash. That's early on Wednesday, sporting Ajax as well. A sheriff out of Transnistria. Not sure where Transnistria football ranks in the leagues of, of Europe, but they're, they're the first representative ever. In, don't go there, James. The don't go don't there. Go, don't, start, Transnistria. don't get They're facing Shakhtar. While Inter from that group are up against Real Madrid. Uh, Liverpool are up against Milan. 
Atletico Madrid take on Porto, Bruges face PSG and as mentioned earlier, Man City have the Leipzig clash. There's some tasty games on on Wednesday. Jules, you picked out for us earlier Inter against Real Madrid and you were a little bit disappointed with Inter's performance away in Genoa. James, what was your take on that? Yeah, I agree with Jules. First time they dropped points this season um, and to be honest, they've set a very high standard um, so far under Simone Inzaghi. Uh, a lot of their and uh, new signings have hit the ground running and you know all the doom and gloom that we've been discussing about into their financial problems Conte walking the sale of Lukaku Hakimi have kind of been swept away but you know I think Inzaghi afterwards uh, said look I'm not going to blame the fact that we've got a number of South American players uh, I mean he played Lautaro who'd come back from Argentina uh, and Lautaro looked Pretty good, must say, with that volley that uh, you really enjoyed, James. But I thought they were, they were quite sloppy. And then, of course, it didn't really help at the end with, um, you know, Sensi going off injured when they've made all the changes. And they, when they should have been chasing for a winner, they were down to 10 men. Um, and uh, I think that was disappointing. I do also think that uh, this game coming up was on their minds a little bit because, you know, one of the areas that Inzaghi can easily improve into is progress in the Champions League um, because that has eluded Luciano Spalletti, uh, it eluded uh, Antonio Conte, you know, they went out in the group stages um, in what, the last three years. So if he can get Inter out of this this group, that would mm. represent progress. I mean, he did it with Lazio last year, uh, for example, before Bayern uh, completely uh, took them apart in the round of 16. Um but yeah, a little bit of a, a missed opportunity, you could say, that game against Sampdoria, particularly with Juventus again uh, losing themselves um, against Napoli at the San Paolo. Indeed. Inter in a very similar group last year, of course, when they, they failed to get out. Uh, and part of the reason for that was that they got beaten home and away by Real Madrid. The match at Valdebebas at the, the kind of training ground complex so it was particularly Inter-esque in that they seemed to have it totally locked down and then Real Madrid came back to sting them at the death. Uh, this time around, into dropping points, Real Madrid coming back from 2-1 down to Celta Viga at halftime in their first game back at the Bernabeu for 560 days. What doubt, what optimistic kind of note could you make for Inter supporters, Alvaro, the, the, of a potential weakness there in this uh, this Real Madrid side? Well, I think the weaknesses, uh, they are obvious, James, and they've been exposed lately because Levante scored three goals against Real Madrid and Celta scored a couple of goals at Santiago Bernabéu. So this Real Madrid team, unlike mm, the last Real Madrid that won the league not long ago, 14 months ago, this Real Madrid is about, uh, you know, free-flowing football, I would say. I don't want to say that these guys uh, are playing the happiest football ever, but it's true that uh, the late Zidane Real Madrid uh, was about uh, making sure that they didn't concede and they won the league like this. And this Carlo Ancelotti team is absolutely different, uh, totally opposite to that. Um, this Real Madrid doesn't have defenders that they are like proper fire extinguishers in the box, like uh, Sergio Ramos and Rafael Varane, that you knew that uh, they could give you the that auxiliary moment, auxiliary toe, foot, knee, just to make sure that the ball didn't get in the box or didn't touch the net. I think that Militao and Nacho, they are good, but they are not so good. So Real Madrid has lost uh, potential in that uh, center half uh, department. I think that this Real Madrid uh, 
still needs a lot of Luka Modric, even though he's 36. He was phenomenal in the game against Delta. And then the, the team scores more goals than uh, you would have imagined, uh, considering that they haven't signed uh, Kylian Mbappe. But they've got uh, Karim Benzema, who is still fantastic. And uh, I would like to say that this week has been a proper example of what looking after your body is. Lionel Messi, three goals against Bolivia. Cristiano Ronaldo, two goals against Newcastle. Karim Benzema, 34 years old. He scored three goals against Delta. So My podcast performance just goes to show you, know, if you yep. keep your mind yes. and your body right at, at, at the ripe old age of, you know, sort of mid-30s, then... What, what about Ibra as well? Don't forget Ibra. Yes, uh, I, I wanted to say that this Real Madrid is very dangerous. Uh, simple as that, because Benzema is scoring... Eden Hazard is little by little coming back. He scored a goal with Belgium as well. And uh, Vinicius Jr., a player that uh, he got nicknamed last year Ficticius because uh, his football was fictional. It never capitalized, you know. <laughs> he has become a really good scorer. He has become a re- and he has scored four goals in La Liga. And the goal he scored the other day epitomizes what Vinicius was not a year ago. Uh, a guy mm. who was cool in the box. Uh, in front of the Celta goalkeeper the other day, he just waited and waited until the goalkeeper just uh, fell to one side and then he crossed the ball perfectly. So I think that this is a decent moment for Real Madrid. They are entertaining under Carlo Ancelotti, but I think that they are leaky as well. So this is going to be very entertaining. A clash of two Italian managers. This, of course, Carlo Ancelotti and Simone Inzaghi, a chasm in terms of the, the wealth of experience uh, between them. Do you think, uh, James, that for all the departures, for all the changes at Inter, they could do better this time in in this group? They'll be better for the experience of last year, James, because uh, it is the same group, apart from Gladbach, who didn't qualify. Um, and I think with Inter, you know, as long as they don't uh, shoot themselves in the foot like they did at San Siro when they played Real Madrid um, at this stage a year ago, that they should, they should be, they should be better. I mean, ultimately, Arturo Vidal and, and Conte's faith in him in the group stage of the early part of last season cost into in the Champions League he gave away a penalty after seven minutes in this game he then got sent off after half an hour and then Hakimi um, conceded a, a, an own goal so um, I think it'll be very difficult uh, for for Inter to be as unlucky or uh, as calamitous as they were um, then and I've, I've, I've just uh, cut to I've Wednesday just... night yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Can you tell? Can you tell Simon Inzaghi that he doesn't? He's got five changes. He doesn't have to make them all in the space of five minutes, because I'm not sure how helpful it was at the weekend. It was not five. It was thirteen. But did he? Did he lose count? Did he want? Did he try to do too much in a short space? What happened? Because that that was really strange. I thought. Oh, Jules, you know, I mean, it's it, it, it's it's yeah, it happens to us when we order dinner. Um, at, uh, when I play FPL, BC, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, you've got your yeah, twenty six point uh, reduction or whatever. But um, yeah, it's it's actually been quite interesting in Syria. Um, I mean, Allegri, who's been out of the game for for a couple of years, back in his time, it was was three substitutions, and he's found it very hard to get to grips with. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Should, yeah. should, so they they've almost paired back on on the substitutes, um, just so they don't disrupt everything and. And, uh, and cause too much confusion. Inter against Real Madrid is a massive game on Wednesday. Also in that group, if you fancy it, though, Transnistria's Sheriff take on Shakhtar. All right. Uh, now, meantime, Inter's neighbours Milan have that trip to Anfield. Let's talk about that next. Ah, the summer was fun, wasn't it? 
no allegiances, everyone getting behind England, three lions being sung everywhere. But now the Premier League is back, get Grealish off the bench, ah, he can stay on it at City. Pickford might have been a safe pair of hands, now he's just a pair. And enough of Jules Rimet dreaming, now it's our turn to dream. So kiss goodbye to that vomit-inducing unity and welcome back proper football. Let's celebrate flair on the grass, not a flare up the <coughs> paddy power. 18plusbegumbleaware.org On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Milan at Liverpool. It's huge. 13 European titles between these two sides. And of course, they've only ever met twice before and they've both been in European finals. Champions League finales of 2005-2007. James, reprise for us your answer to the question I asked you on Monday. Can this Milan live up to the heights of a fixture like this? I think it's going to be tough for them. Um, I mean, they've started the season very well. You know, perfect uh, so far in Serie A. Um, they defend well. And I think, you know, one of the things that's encouraging when they go up against Premier League opponents is they're a team that can press well as well, play with a good intensity. Um, and, yeah, in Olivier Giroud or Zlatan, and it probably will be Zlatan on, on uh, Wednesday night, you know, they have someone that they can go long to um, if, for example, Liverpool press. Um, so, you know, and they'll have to do that at times at Anfield because... It's a very young team if you look beyond Slatan, if you look beyond uh, Giroud. And so how they handle that kind of intensity that you have at Anfield, particularly after, let's say, nearly 18 months of playing without fans, to have that as your first Champions League experience is going to be mm. is going to be quite sensory overload. So, you know, how they how they get to grips with it is going to be interesting. But, you know, I think they could produce an upset. Um, I think it's... It's probably unlikely at this juncture. I mean, I, I, I know that when the draw was made, they look at it as a tough draw, you know, with uh, Atletico. They were the team that put Milan out the last time that they were in the Champions League um, seven years ago. And then you've got Porto, who are always really awkward and physical to play against. Um, so I think I think Milan will look at this as a learning curve. Um, as far as I see it, it's just great to have them back. Mm. Well, they absolutely bossed the game uh, Sunday afternoon against the previously perfect Lazio. Mauricio Sarri getting very upset, actually getting a red card as a part of a skirmish after the final whistle there at San Siro. I'm fascinated by the notion which you, you floated of, of them actually going with Giroud and Ibra up top as, you know, almost like, you know those movies when they get a gang of old pensioners together for one last job to kind of try and lift a... <laughs> possibly a little bit impractical. Alvaro Jules, do you, do you see any... Giroud, can he be a, a force in this as he was in the Champions League last year? Yeah, I mean, he's obviously tested positive for COVID, but I would love to see them play together. But he's been I don't cleared, think it actually. Happen much. Yeah, he's been cleared now, but he missed the game mm. at the weekend against Lazio for it. But I don't, know, I don't know how well they would play with each other, but I, I would like the idea of Ibra maybe dropping a bit more and almost play like a number 10, not a very mobile number 10, but still, I think technically, he's well good enough to play in that position and then he can dictate the, the pace of the game and play wide, you know, and give the ball wide to, to far quicker players than him. And then have Giroud as a more like old school centre forward, if you want, that can get at the end of those crosses and so can Ibra. So I would like to see them play together. I don't know, certainly Olivier believes that they can do great together. We will have to see what, what Pioli does. Maybe, well, certainly not in this game, I don't think so, but in, in other games where you play against a, a very defensive team, maybe I guess that could be an option. But I think it's great. And there's certainly, certainly from, I don't know from Ibra's point of view, but from Giroud, he's very happy there. And, 
and life with Ibra has has been great. Ibra and his new ponytail, of course. Indeed, and they gave Man United a real game last year in in the Europa League. And this Milan is better than that that Milan, and maybe this Liverpool is better than that Man United. But yeah, that, that's the thing that this mm. Liverpool has improved a lot as well. Uh, having the, the centre backs back, yeah. it makes such a difference. I mean, and not only that, uh, having Van Dijk and Matip back uh, makes everyone play like twenty meters forward. Uh, or further into the opponent's pitch than last season and uh, against Leeds United alone uh, Liverpool produced 30 or fired 30 shots in the Premier League they have fired 100 shots in four games so Liverpool has not only recovered the centre-backs uh, they have recovered that fever or feverish attitude that they had before that made them so special so I think it's going to be really tough for Milan really yeah, just to go back to what James was saying is it, is it a better squad than they had last year um I can imagine why Giroud is happy there because they've wanted him for three years. Um, yeah, they've 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 tried tried to get him on a number of occasions, um, and uh, it's a team that can play three five two if it likes. We haven't seen it yet, but I think that's maybe a variation that we will get to see it at, at some point in the season because, you know, Teo Hernandez. I think is maybe better suited to playing as a wing back, where he's further forward than than Definitely. than as a full back. Yeah. You know, Florenzi's got Florenzi some ex- as well. Yeah, exactly experience there um, and they don't really have a number 10 Brahim Diaz can play there but they were they were in the market for one they signed Junior Macias uh, the former courier uh, who didn't play what uh, professional football until he was like in his in his mid-20s um, but I, I think they've they, they there is enough variation in this Milan side that uh, if they want they can mix it I just don't you know we haven't really seen them deviate from what they did last season yet so um so yeah but I, just to see Zlatan back in the Champions League you know he's he's what a, a month or so shy of turning 40 you know his knee injury at the end of his time at Manchester United which you know could have ended his career he then came went to MLS found it too easy and just thought right I'll go back to Europe I mean for him to be in back in the Champions League I don't think we should take it for granted no. um you yeah, know because he's He's pulled this Milan side there in, in in many respects. Excellent. Also in that group, uh, the spiny-looking Porto will be visiting Atletico Madrid, which is uh, yeah, going to be an interesting game, that one. Alvaro, can we have a quick word on Atletico Madrid? And, and as you mentioned before, their amazing 99th-minute winner uh, away to Espanyol at the weekend. Ataca el Atlético de Madrid, busca el empate. Ojo, Lemar, Lemar, Lemar. Gol, 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 They've been suffering a little bit, this Atletico team. They are leaky in defence. I think that uh, Savic is not covering himself in glory lately with some of the defensive decisions mm. he's making. And, he's uh, he's going to be suspended for this game as well. Yeah, I'm talking generally speaking. I mean, the partnership mm-hmm. with Savic, with anybody else, is not working very well. Simeone is preferring right now to play with three centre-backs. And uh, I think that this Atletico de Madrid is a conundrum for me because I think that in the league they've got the best squad. Uh, the fact that uh, against um, Espanyol in the weekend they brought from the bench the likes of Lemar, Joao Felix, uh, tell you the story. I mean, they've got a lot of quality in their condoquia as well. Uh, Antoine Griezmann is there. But at the same time, in Europe, over the last 12 months, they have won only two games against uh, Salzburg. But last season, they couldn't beat Bayern. 
in fact they lost at the Allianz Arena really heavily and they weren't able to lay a glove even against Chelsea. So what is the real Atletico? The one that we see domestically in La Liga that more or less they are getting the results or the one that over the last 12 months we've seen in Europe just struggling against teams that are supposed to be their level. So this is a test for Atletico de Madrid because on paper they are the best Spanish team right now. They've got the best squad in Spain but I think that in the European states, in the European landscape they, they, they've been humbled lately. All right, well, Antoine Griezmann returning to the side, although he didn't exactly shine on his uh, first game back uh, this weekend away, as we say, in Catalonia. All right, uh, next up, let's get a little bit of Europa, some uh, goal of the weekend and other bits too. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. With Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Which is handy for when Spurs stop pretending to be this ruthless winning machine and revert back to type. Ready for the fast bit? Pre-match bet builders only. Get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Max free bet £10. Excludes enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. It's over 18's only. And please, gamble responsibly. If you had to pick one goal from the weekend's matches, would it be Oliver Boscali's... Boscali... I don't know how you say Olivier. it. Olivier. Olivier is French. Olivier. I don't think it is <laughs> he French. Boscali. Yeah, Boscali. Yeah. Olivier. Boscali. Tell us about the goal. PSV against uh, AZ Alkmaar, Jules. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing goal. Not just the, the, the shot, which is from what, 25 yards, right in top corner. I mean, the keeper doesn't even see the ball because he doesn't even move or dives or anything. It's just the build up from, from pretty much their own box all the way to Boscagli, who is a centre-back, who finds himself in that position at 25 yards from the goal on the counter-attack to score the goal. Roger Schmidt doing a great job. As we've been saying before, it's a shame they could not be Benfica to be in these Champions League group stages that we've just mentioned, because I think they would have deserved to be there, but they would be in the Europa League, and I think they could do great because they've got so many great young talents and then a lot of experience like Mario Götze or... Or Ivan Zahavi. So it's yeah, it was a fantastic goal and a great win as well. And by the way, I think they they four wins in or five wins in five or four wins in four in the area division, so the top of the table too. And again, deservedly so. Mm, they're facing Real Sociedad on Thursday. Yeah, uh, also in the Europa League Thursday, a locomotive Moscow take on Marseille. Uh, Rangers are up against Lyon. Jules Leon, who had a 3-1 win over Strasbourg at the weekend. And while we're speaking of great goals, ooh, Dembele's opener. Yeah, and he's finding a bit of form now, which is good with Peter Bosch because he struggled last year. And remember, he went on loan to Atletico where he had COVID, he had an injury. I don't think he even starts in La Liga. Uh, and, and then came back hoping for a move. The move didn't happen. They were trying to sign other forwards. They didn't, apart from Shakiri. But so he's there, and now he's been he's been in great scoring form. So it's good. I'm going to the game on Thursday, and I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how how they set up against Steve Gerrard. What kind of performance they can put? Bruno Guimaraes and and Paqueta are great. Usamawa is playing good. So they they 
They're getting better from what Peter Bosch wants them to do. So it's a big test for Rangers as well as it is for Lyon to go away in, in such a hostile atmosphere. Mm, second straight win that was uh, for Peter Bosch's side after his yeah. uh, uh, difficult beginning uh, with Lyon. As you say, so many players who can hurt you, but of all of them, presumably this is going to be a particularly special fixture for Dembele, what with him previously being of course, at yeah, no Celtic. Of course, long ago he scored a hat-trick against Rangers with Celtic, mm. I think three years ago or something. All right, hey, let's get some other French news. And there's been some. Uh, nice won 2 0 at Nantes at the weekend, keeping up their uh, decent start to the season. But they got some bad news from the league, didn't they, Jules? Yeah, the uh, investigation, remember, after the, uh, the incidents against Marseille, the, the, their fans, the Nice Ultras, invading the pitch after throwing bottles at Dimitri Payet and all of that. So now we know the sanctions. Uh, they will have to play games be- three games behind closed doors. That game against Marseille will have to be replayed and not just the last 15 minutes after the interruption, but the whole game starting at nil-nil when Nice were undeservedly so leading that game. But that's, that's gone. They also be docked two points. So as a, as a penalty, if you want, already. Uh, one right, although one of those so points one, is suspended. Yes, that's right. So it's one down. But even if they win the game that they have to re- replay against Marseille, it will only be a two-point win instead of three points. Right. Basically, that's what it means. So they, they fell harshly down. Marseille felt harshly done because they wanted the game won because of mm-hmm. the trouble created by the Nice crowds. They've got Alvaro Gonzalez banned for two games, Payet banned for one suspended game. And, and I think in the end, no one was happy with the sanctions. And I think that they were not strong enough either. They were not tough enough. It, it should have been tougher for everyone. And instead, you've taken uh, decisions that are too soft and no one is happy either. So I think that I've disciplined the discipline committee in France got this one completely wrong. But but yeah, it's, it, it was a shame for Nice. Nice and Marseille have been two great teams so far this season. And it's just a shame that that game is, is so deteriorating that a little bit. Right. When's it going to be replayed at, the, at this neutral location? We don't know yet, James, because they obviously... Marseille is in the Europa League, as we mentioned. Mm. Uh, so it would be hard, I think, to find anything maybe before December. OK. Marseille had experience of playing at a neutral venue this weekend, of course, because they were at Monaco, and, as we heard earlier on. <laughs> it felt more like the Velodrome, you know, more like a small yeah. Velodrome, to be fair. Yeah. Um, anyway, 2-0, and they've now had three wins in four, have Marseille, and they've had their best start to the season since 2012-2013, when they were runners-up. Yeah. Under who? Bielsa? Yeah, and maybe oh, right. it's not a surprise that Sampaoli, who is the closest, the closest thing from, to Bielsa that you can find, is right. leading this team in a very similar way. You know, the intensity they play with, the heart that they have, it's not perfect. And they will get exposed defensively and you can always create chances. Although Monaco had zero shot on target for the first time in, in, in a few years. But it's, they're great to watch. And they've got this new hero, uh, Amadou Bamba Diang, sorry, who came from the Jambas Academy in Senegal, the Patrick Vieira Academy, uh, who's a great story in itself. But yeah, it's, it's good. There will be certainly, I expect them to do great things this season with some power. Really. Okay. Monica, meanwhile, now one point off the bottom three. They're having another of those seasons. Yeah. Elsewhere, Paris Saint-Germain met with high-flying promoted side Clermont and... Und uriné dans le fruit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> beating them 4 0, ending their fairy tale start to the season, Jules. No Neymar, uh, nor any Messi, because they came back late from the yeah. uh, South American World Cup qualifiers. But instead, Ander Herrera with a brace 
And yeah, Kylian uh, with his usual goal. And Gijo Donnarumma in goal because Kelo Navas came back late. So Donnarumma had a, had a chance. He played well. He did Finally. What he, to do, but he, did, he did what he had to do well. Uh, now, very curious to see what happens on Wednesday. Do you bring Navas back? Do you keep Donnarumma for the game at Bruges in the Champions League? There's a big game coming up the follow next weekend against Lyon at the Parc des Princes. So again, what what do you do? Do you rotate? Do you don't rotate? So it'd be very interesting how to see how Pochettino handles this. Now that really he had to play Donnarumma, there was no sense playing Navas. So it'd be very interesting to see what happens. But very serious performance from PSG overall, anyway. Barcelona had a very similar situation with the goalkeepers when yeah, they had Claudio Bravo and Ter Stegen, and Ter Stegen yeah. ended up playing in Europe. Do you think he yeah. will he will do anything like that? I don't know, maybe we saw that with Courtois as well uh, before uh, too. So I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a big fan. I, I'm not sure keepers should rotate like this. I mean, domestic cups is a bit different to Champions League, League, Champions League, League, Champions League, League. But maybe that's the best way to keep everybody happy again. But if you're Navas, are you happy not to play the Champions League? If you're Donnarumma, are you happy to only play once every two weeks? Basically, that's what it would be. So I, I don't know how he handles it. It would be interesting to see. Mm. Paris Saint-Germain in Ligue, uh, currently four points clear at the top of Angers, five from Olympique Marseille and six from Nice, those latter two with that game in hand, although it would only afford Nice two points were they to win it, as Jules explained. Messi, though, should we give him some love for the hat-trick against Bolivia? Yes. We have to, I think. Yes, and it's not just the hat-trick. The hat-trick was amazing and the first goal especially, nutmeg on the half-turn and then the, the shot is brilliant. It's just the celebrations afterwards, after the game, when they, they show the trophy of the Copa America to the crowd and only a third of, of how much the Monumental could hold, but still. And he was, he'd been pouring, pouring down for like hours and hours. But for him to cry, even before receiving the cup, shows how much this means. And not just in terms of he will have a little trophy in his cabinet at home. It's more like all that pressure for all those years of you can't deliver, you can't do it with your national team. Maradona has done it, all the others, and you haven't. And yet this is it now. That, that pressure is gone. And you could see how much he meant to him. I thought that was a really beautiful moment. And mm. I think it's fantastic, James, that, as I said before, a man who is 34, who is playing really far away from the opponent's box, especially with Argentina, is still capable of scoring a hat-trick every now and then or goals you know, so easily. And I think that at this stage of his career, Messi is having finally that Maradonian time that he never had before because in Barcelona they took him as granted a little bit. Of course, he was adored in Barcelona. But, uh, you know, what he got in Argentina uh, last uh, Thursday night was amazing because he was celebrating finally a trophy with his uh, compatriots. He never did it before. And uh, let's not forget that Messi is only one chance from Gonzalo Higuaín away of winning the World Cup, you know, because he had a one-on-one with Manuel Neuer. So it's been... International football has been really unfair with him. He has lost as well three Copa America finals before winning this one. So, yeah, it's been really tough for him, uh, carrying the, the burden of uh, the whole Argentinian pressure over his shoulders to the point that he um, left the Argentinian national team like three or four years ago just to come back a year later. Indeed. Uh, look out, Bruges. Messi coming your way. And Kylian Mbappé. Do you remember the last time Kylian Mbappé went to Bruges on the gold show. What happened two years ago? Of course I do, Jules. He scored a hat-trick in 15 minutes. Beware. Excellent. Well, having touched on some of the main talking points from the midweek games, let's finish off next up 
with some of the other big stories from Italy and around the continent. We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. All right, James, the Moo train is picking up speed. Much excitement in Rome. Top of the table, Jose's Gialarossi. Milan and Napoli also 3-for-3, three three, but Roma have the best goal difference. And uh, a fresh from extraordinary match, the, the 2-1 with Sassuolo. I mean, you talked about the emotional scenes at the, at the end, but uh, that was a game that, in Jose's own words, could have been 6-6, it could have been 7-7, it could have been a Sassuolo win. What does it tell us about Roma and their real prospects of actually delivering some silverware under Jose? Well, they have played some really great football at times, um, most notably before the international break in the second half against Salernitana. This was a very open game, the kind of game that you don't really associate with the Mourinho team. Um, and I think when the emotion subsides and he looks back, um, he will scratch his head and think, how did we win this game? Um, it's true that you know Roma did create a number of chances themselves, but Sassuolo, particularly second half, were it not for Rui Patricio, um, Sassuolo could have been 2-3-4-1 up. Um, and the goalkeeper position at Roma has been a problem really since Allison left. And Rui Patricio has had a couple of yeah, really good performances uh, against Trabzon in the Conference League playoffs. He was he was very important as well. You know, the, Roma took the lead through a uh, a very smartly taken um, set piece with Sassuolo expecting Lorenzo Pellegrini to put the ball in the air and instead wonderful weighted pass for Cristante. Um, but Roma didn't really create much from open play. And I think one of the encouraging things is that Sassuolo, who've lost their coach, uh, Roberto Di Zerbi, to Shakhtar, who we'll see on the goals show, they still look very talented, even without Marlon, even without Locatelli, even without Caputo. Um I still think it's maybe too early to tell whether this Roma side can win something. But you know, the curious thing was that when Mourinho was appointed, we thought he would make Roma better defensively because they conceded 58 goals last season in the league, far too much. That he would give them a, a, a stronger mentality. And we've seen that manifest itself in some of the kind of brawls and the uh, uh, the, the yellow cards that have flown everywhere. And instead, they're, they're playing some of the same football that we saw, I suppose, under Fonseca, which is open, um, getting the most out of their attacking players. 
Um, so if they can find the right balance, yeah, I think at the end of the day, winning was all that mattered on uh, on uh, on Sunday night. And Mourinho said as much that he'd lied to himself and lied to his players that his 1,000th game didn't matter. And yet it, it seemed to matter so much to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but credit to them, because as we were mentioning with Inter earlier, Inter had a chance to um, extend the gap between themselves and Juventus. They didn't take it. Roma did. All right. The Juve, now eight points. If it's too early to say if Roma are seriously in the hunt this year for honours, is it too early to call Juve out of that particular race? What do you think? They've now lost again, this time a Saturday evening, 2-1 away at Napoli with a couple of massive whoppers really setting up the Napoli goals. I think it is too early to rule Juventus out of title contention because you know we saw in 2015 they started the season as badly um, and uh, didn't really get going until the end of October uh, and then they won 15 games in a row. Allegri was at the helm then. Some of the same players are still around, albeit a little bit older, but this is a younger Juventus side. Um, mitigating circumstances for that defeat in Naples was one of the South American players played. Uh, Juventus have a fair few of them. Uh, Dybala, for example, um, Rodrigo Bentancur, Danilo Alexandro. They also left Federico Chiesa at home rather than risk him after he picked up a bit of a knock uh, during the international break. And I think the problem with Juventus, and it's been a problem that we saw under Pirlo, is that they beat themselves. Um, they make silly mistakes. And Chesney, who, uh, you know, contrary to what some Premier League fans might think or you know, Arsenal fans towards the end of his time there, you know, he's been very reliable and very good uh, since he's moved to Italy. Um, you know, I mean, he kept Allison out of the Roma team in his first season there. He was then chosen by Juventus to be Buffon's successor. Uh, and Buffon came back, remember, from Paris Saint-Germain, could not dislodge him. But I would say in the last six months, that reliability has has diminished. He's made a number of mistakes. Porto in the Champions League, he's made a mistake in the Turin Derby. And at the start of this season, yeah, there's no way they draw that game against Udinese if he doesn't make the mistakes. And... Mm-hmm. You know, he was again at fault. So, although his best save, ironically enough, was keeping an own goal from Moisey Ken out right at the end. But, but not for, yeah, not for long. Um, they're not out of it yet, but if they were to lose the next one, they might look a little bit more shaky. And who's that against next weekend? Uh, against Inform Milan. Um, mm. So, so yeah, it's tricky, um, particularly with yeah, the fixtures now coming thick and fast with the Champions League resuming. Um, they play Malmo um, yep. in, in, in midweek, which, you know, they should take care of business in that. Although, remember, at the beginning of that kind of run Juventus had in the Champions League, um, they really struggled against these kind of sides. Nordjylland, Malmo, way back when as well. So, um, you know, in this in their current form, you know, you could see them still making a mistake that allows Malmo to, to get an unlikely point or something like that. So we'll see. Mm. The Swedes, now managed by former Newcastle and Milan striker John Dahl Thomason, of course, who yeah. won the Swedish title with them in his first season there. At Napoli, though, who actually went and beat Juve at the weekend, we should mention the extraordinary start that Luciano Spalletti is having with them. Three wins out of three. He's only the second Napoli manager ever to win the first three Serie A games in, in charge. And and looking looking really, really dangerous. They've kept Koulibaly. They've kept a nice attacking mentality. They face Leicester on Thursday, or what's left of them do, 
uh, because there's a lot of issues about their players who've been across in South America or in red zone countries now not being allowed into the UK to take part in that fixture. Yeah, it is a problem. I think it's one that we're going to see um, with every international break, with every Champions League meet, um, um, because yeah, if, if Napoli can't play, let's say Victor Ossiman, their, their star striker, particularly while Mertens has been out injured, then it's not the same team. Um, although we have seen Insigne play as a false number nine at stages this season. They've got Pitania as well, who scored the winner against Genoa in, in match day two. I think that's the thing. You, you said that, yeah, they've kept Koulibaly. They've pretty much kept everybody. Uh, I think they would have liked to have, uh, have, have sold a couple of players, but they just haven't been able to. And, and so Spalletti has a bit of a luxury, really. Aside from uh, a lack of competition, really, at left-back, you know, they... They're pretty stacked all over the all over the pitch. So, I thought uh, last weekend, you know, the changes Spalletti made second half. He kind of took off a midfield player, put Unas on again. Unas, someone who they've tried to loan and sell everywhere, but good player, and and they found a way to win that game. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm quite excited by Napoli. I think they they dovetail really nicely. The the squad and the manager um, are a really good fit. Excellent. Uh- Mention quickly the fact that I'm not sure if this fits into your category, Alvaro, of players who look after themselves and are doing amazing things with themselves. But Frank Ribéry is back playing football. He's joined Salinitana. You may have missed this. He's 39 in April. He came on for the last 23 minutes of their game at the weekend against Torino, uh, which through no great fault of his own, they lost 4-0. But uh, yeah, nice to see him. Nice to see him back. His former side, Fiorentina, another thing to mention from Syria, uh, had a big win away in Bergamo against Atalanta at the weekend. All the goals in this one, it was 2-1, were from the penalty spot, but Vlavic picking up more rave reviews. Briefly, James, to finish off this section, what's going on with Atalanta? I think it's... Yeah, they had four of their best players out in the, in the first game, which they somehow managed to win against Torino. Uh, Muriel's injured at the moment um, and won't be back until after the international break Zapata's been missing Zapata came back for this game against Fiorentina um, I thought they were quite unlucky against Bologna in the, in the 0-0 they certainly created enough chances they played like an old Atalanta um, and yeah even this you know, this game against Fiorentina decisions went against them I think uh, they played really well second half um, so, so it's just yeah, circumstances it's not like an underlying kind of malaise or Gasparini's reached the end of his his spell there or anything like that. It's got stale, nothing like that. No, although he was complaining that they, they could have signed a striker in the summer and didn't. Um, and, you know, Papu's gone. Ilicic isn't the player that he was uh, two seasons ago. Um, Muriel and Zapata do get injured. Um, and Miranchuk hasn't been a very good player for them. Um, so, yeah, that's maybe where there is some concern. But I think once Darun is back, um, who's a really important player for them, um, I think they'll be fine. Okay. Will they be fine away at Villarreal this midweek in the Champions League, Alvaro? I think that Villarreal knows how to play from the back and I think that Atalanta is one of the best things they do is uh, pressuring up front and uh, Villarreal, fortunately for them, have Parejo back who is key over there to offer some easy solution to play the the ball from the back. Uh, Unai Emery knows how to slow down the games to Villarreal's liking, as he did with Chelsea and especially with Manchester United. 
And I believe that this game is very tight. Uh, despite all um, Atalanta's problems, the truth is that they've been uh, really good at Champions League. Last season, they beat uh, Liverpool at Anfield. And Villarreal are yet to prove themselves in the Champions League because they haven't been uh, performing well in this competition since 2006. So let's see, but they have done a heavy investment this summer because they want to, you know, become, uh, if not the best fifth team in Spain, uh, somewhere, you know, bordering that position. So mm. the investment has been good and I expect Villarreal to be at least more competitive than the last time they were in the Champions League. Excellent. All right, well, that's one of the many delights coming up midweek. And of course, you can follow the action live uh, with Jules, James and Rafa and myself on BT Sport and the Gold Show. Of course, if you if you really can't bear the sight of us, there's also a radio alternative, <laughs> courtesy of Alvaro. Yeah, it's in Spanish. It's called Universal ah. Premier, but of course. Yeah, so that's that's it. That's the thing. I don't know if it works, really. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, never mind, listener. Unless you speak Spanish, in which case, go for it. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll be back with another European edition next Tuesday. And, of course, Thursday morning, totally, we'll be rounding out the midweek Champions League results. So, uh, hey, why not join us for that? Uh, for now, it's many, many thanks to everybody and you, listener. And uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on The Athletic app and discover bonus content by following The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.